Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. So I even got notes. You know, I usually don't do notes, but I brought notes, um, just so I could... <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's good. So let's begin with a prayer. So Lord, uh, we thank you for coming together today and we ask you just to bless me in this presentation today and be with me and be with all of us gathered here today as we, you know, consider um, past and present and probably future adjustments that we'll all be involved in in our lives. And thank you for the grace and inspiration of your Holy Spirit. So I thought I'd start off just by telling you about where I'm at and where I'm living and kind of a little bit of the why of that, okay? So when I retired, it was like August two years ago, right? And um, the day I retired on a Sunday after the Mass is here, I've had a, or I had a condo in Vermilion for about, I don't know, 14, 15 years with another priest. Um, At some point, maybe five years before this, he told me he didn't like Vermilion. There's nothing to do in Vermilion. I said, well, that's why I come here, because there's nothing to do here. And he said, I don't like it. So over like the next five years, I just bought him out you know, of his share in the condo. So I retired. And the night I retired, I drove out to Vermilion. And um, the, so don't take any of this wrong. It's just reality, OK? So. Um, there's the, I'm in, there's like one, two, three, four, five or six courts. And the whole thing is on the, on the lake, but the lake is about 300 yards away from where I am. So I pulled into the courts and, um, all the widows are sitting around one of the garage (laughs) just saying, so they're all sitting around and they do this every night. Okay. And sometimes I would go over and talk to them, but Mostly I just leave them alone and they leave me alone. But this night they weren't going to leave me alone. So I got out of my car and from about from here to the wall over there, somebody hollers at me, you retired? And I said, oh, crap, here we go. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I'm retired. She said, are you going to move out of here? I said, probably. Yeah, I'm going to do No sense lying about it. Well, why do you want to move? I said, you know, it, so... I'll get to this in a minute, maybe, but I, I, you know, finally settled on helping out at St. Helens in Newberry, and it didn't take me long to realize that it's uh, about an hour and a half from Vermilion to Newberry, and um, and there's no quick way to do it. So uh, I knew I had to get out of there. So, and then I talked to him for a little bit, and that was the end of the conversation. So believe this or not, the next day I got a call from a couple. They wanted to come and see the condo. Okay, now this is. <laughs> This is when things were getting going with the house sales. I said, okay. So they came out and they looked around and they really had a good reason because one of them, the man or the woman, their parents had a condo in that same little courtyard that I was in. And they thought it would be nice because they bring their kids and they said it's just too much in the condo with their parents. So so they looked at it, they liked it, they left. Um, The next day I got another call from a couple and... uh, they said, we want to come and see the condo. I said, well, knock yourself out. Come on out here. So they came out, and they walked through the condo. 
they went upstairs because the bedrooms were upstairs, and that's one of the problems I had with it, probably one of the problems you all have in your homes as well. So they came down from upstairs and said, okay, we want to go down and see the lake. I said, okay. So they went down to see the lake, and they came back, and they said, we're going to buy it. It's a cash deal. You don't have to pay a thing. We don't want a home inspection. We'll do all the paperwork. I said, what are, what are we talking about here? I said, so, so I, I really didn't. You know, I had put about, I think everybody in the development, there's like 80, 90 condos in there, had put 7800 or $8,000 into the shoreline about 10 years ago to reinforce it. And they had just put uh, a new roof on the condo, the whole condo section. It's like four units in a condo. So they had put the, so I figured it cost me a little bit more. So, you know, I think the whole thing cost us 128 and I just sold it to them for 140 because I think I just recouped what I lost. I probably could have got a whole bunch more, but I, I really didn't care. I mean, I didn't try. I just had to get out of there. So, um, so they did all the paperwork. Then they wanted me, um, just think about this now, they wanted me to do all the paperwork online. I said, I'm not doing <laughs> Really? I said, I'm not doing that. They said, well, you have to do it. I said, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. So if, if you want this thing. So the one called me and said, okay, I'm going to meet you at the UPS store on Mayfield Road. She said, it's halfway between, they lived in Avon Lake, and they're obviously moving to Vermilion. It's about halfway, so they met me there, and I did the paperwork, and I didn't care about, you know, was it legal or not legal? I knew it was, I just didn't want to go. I, I hate this online stuff, um, I really do, so. But I do it, you know, I pay my bills online, more or less. Um, not always on time, but I pay them. Um, so. So um, I don't know if any of you remember Norm Douglas. Norm, when I was first ordained, was at St. Barnabas, and we became friends then. So he said to me, um, let's go to Alaska. I said, I don't want to go to Alaska. He said, let's go to Alaska. So, so we're going to Alaska and, and trying to, you know, and it's paid for. We paid for it. But the stuff you got to do, I mean, it's crazy. I, I was just looking at it this morning. I've got to go on something and do something about COVID. And do you have to, I think you have to get a COVID test, but it's just, it's, but it's all online. And if you can't, you know, I don't know what people do that don't go online. I mean, they probably don't do much, right? They stay home. That's probably what we should all do. But anyhow, um, so that's what we're doing. And so I got out of uh, Vermilion and um, moved. And so I'm, uh, one of our parishioners here, who I won't name, um, started looking around downtown Cleveland to find a, an apartment, and she found an apartment. Um, K&D Company owns probably 10 of these buildings, and they're former businesses. Like, the building I'm in is right across from the cathedral. It's the old East Ohio gas building, and they've converted that whole place into, like, 2,000 apartments, I think. And, and you know, basically, they're all full. I mean, they, they are all occupied. So are the vast majority, still people coming and going. So um, I went to look at that, and it looked good. So that's where I've been. So I spend Sunday night to Wednesday night, Wednesday evening downtown, and then I go out to Newberry. The way Newberry worked was when I was, you know, getting ready to retire and it was announced and all that, I got... Um, several calls from different parishes and different places um, that they would like me to come and go there and help out. And, you know, none of them just did anything with me. And then 
uh, Jay McPhillips in Newberry called me, and I have some historical connections with him and some folks in his parish from when I was first ordained. So, so I went out there and talked to him a couple of times and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so the, thus the drive from Vermilion to Newberry, and I'm glad that's over with. And it's about, you know, like coming here today was probably 45, 40, 45 minutes. I mean, it's not a bad drive. It's really not. Um, and the, the, so you basically you do 480 to 422 to 44, and 44 is, you just don't do anything on the winter on it. It's all curves and hills and valleys and, it's, you know, it says 40 miles an hour, but you'd be crazy to do 40 miles an hour. So anyhow, that's how I ended up in Newberry, and I told the Lord then, look, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So if you've got a plan, let me know. If you don't have a plan, whatever, I'll just stay there. So I, well, I really believe, it, you know, whatever way it's supposed to go, it's going to go. So, but that's where I am, and it's, that's why I was a little late today. I had Mass at 8.30, so, um, and here I am. So this is all about adjustments, okay? So I'll get to this. And we've all faced, every one of us has faced, if we haven't, we certainly will, very challenging times when it comes to adjustments. Um, could be the loss of a spouse, as many of you have experienced, the loss of a parent, the loss of a child, loss of a sibling, certainly a loss of a dear friend, um, any of those, you know. Um, and it can be, you know, a separation and a divorce as well. It doesn't have to be a death. And we've made adjustments um, in serious illnesses that many of us have faced. Uh, we've lost jobs or experience to change of jobs. All these are just adjustments we've made. And then uh, most recently and still ongoing to some extent, you know, COVID has just created a lot of adjustments in all of our lives and in the lives of many, many people. And uh, in my opinion, um, we're all a little crazy because of COVID, okay? Um, so if you think you are, I think we all are. Most people won't admit it, but it's, you know, it's kind of uh, this friend of mine that I fish with, Chip, he, whenever we're driving somewhere and people are flying by us doing 90 miles an hour, he says, COVID brain. There's a COVID brain. <laughs> it is. I'm telling you, think about that when you're out there trying to be reasonable. It is, it's COVID brains. They're all nuts. I mean, and so I, w I was driving into Cleveland one night, you know, four or five months ago. Some guy came flying up behind me just where you get to like the, um, the exit for 30th and Woodland, I think it is. So right before there, before you turn to go in towards Cleveland, and he, he went off this, the part, the divider there, it's concrete, obviously, he hit that head on, or side on, bounced off of that, he went over and hit the one on the other side. I said, well, that's an intense COVID driver who's been drinking. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and when I went back a little bit later, he was gone. So I don't know how that car, I mean, he really smashed into these barriers. But that's, that's COVID brain. And don't forget that because it's real, you know. Um, and, and some of these adjustments I know have been hard for people. Um, some are imposed upon us by the government. Um, some are just we impose on ourselves, you know, and that's what we've had to deal with. But it was also the source of just a, a lot of confusion and a lot of angst, just a lot of angst that people went through, and, and ultimately even just a lot of division, okay? It seems like the United States is, we're all about division on everything. So, and you know, it's, you know what? It's probably always been that way. We think we only know now, but 
It's always been that way. I, you know, I was reading the, um, the whole end of uh, slavery in the United States, and that was just a hugely, even more than COVID, I think, divisive issue, you know, that, that people experienced back in the day, you know. And then, you know, another adjustment for all of you, and for me certainly, was the, my retiring and two more priests coming here to St. Basil the Great Parish. Um, I, I knew for me, I knew it was time. You, you just, you know, 27 years I was here, 20 years before that at Catholic Charities, I just knew it was time, you know, I'm done. Um, when you're done, you're done, okay? At least me, when I'm done, I'm done. And I knew, I, you know, after, you just don't have any new ideas. And even if you have an idea, you don't have the energy to do anything with the idea. So, you know, I, I knew it was time. Um, and I, I didn't want to serve beyond my ability. I, I really didn't. And you know, I really felt it was getting there. Um, you know, 20 years ago, 20 years before coming here, I knew, I, and I kept telling Pilla, I'm done at Catholic Charities. I was done. And, and, and he, <laughs> I was driving with him somewhere out on the east side one night, and I said, you know, I've got to get out of here. He said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, I don't care if you don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. And he said, we're not going to talk about it. I said, okay. So um, it's just the way it went, you know. But I... I I gave him 20 almost years, a couple years in school of that, but you know, I knew I just wanted to serve in a parish. Um, he had, this is what really helped me, he had written that pastoral letter on the church in the city. And I used that, I was already then, I talked him into uh, making me the administrator up at St. Catharines, and that wasn't easy to do either. I tried to talk him into making me the administrator of some other places, and he said, you're just trying to get out of here. I said, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that's, I'm not going to lie to you, but, but anyhow, he agreed to St. Catharines, not because he just didn't have anybody else to go there, and I was living at St. Lawrence just down the street, so that worked out well. So, you know, he said, well, you've got to sell this idea of St. Catharines and St. Basil to both parish councils, well, St. Catharines and St. Basil, and if they say no, then it's not going to happen. And I said, well, he said, what are you going to do then? I said, stay here, I guess. What am I going to do? I need a job. So, <laughs> so fortunately, I spoke to both parish councils, and, you know, both agreed that it would be a good idea to try it. And I knew that Father Camille, who was my predecessor here, because he had been 20 years in Catholic Charities before me, I knew that he would be supportive of it. And, you know, practically for many, many years, we had a wonderful partnership, thanks to all of you and all of them for with the good people from St. Catharines. And they still come to picnics and other stuff, and I still keep in touch with them as well. So, But it was a, a great partnership for a number of years. And... Um, now, you may not believe this or not, but the folks from St. Tim's, St. Catharines, and St. Henry's, okay? So I don't even know when this was, um, but when I was still at, no, I was at Catharines, but I was still at Catholic Charities. The, the, the parishioners of those three parishes decided to come together, and they said, you know, we need to come together as one parish, because they were all small, and it wasn't really growing and going anywhere. So they they met with Bishop Lennon. He was very supportive of the idea. He didn't force this. He didn't push it. He said, just look at it and come to an agreement. And they did. And he supported it and approved it. And Holy Spirit Parish was formed there in the former St. Tim's building on 131st Street. And, you know, that's really become a parish that is thriving. Um, it really and truly is. So that was just a real blessing. Um, 
So change and adjustments, um, you know, and that whole thing with the parishes closing as well was, you know, difficult as well for lots and lots of people, you know. So changes, adjustments are painful, uh, challenging, but they also have, I think, a lot of potential for growth in the future. Um, Fathers Ryan and Matt have been very kind to me, very considerate. I, I very much appreciate that. I also, um, so I'll ask uh, Ryan, is you, should I do this funeral? He said, do whatever you want to do. He said, it's okay with me. And the only thing I won't do is weddings because there's no end to weddings. And, um, you know, how do you tell, okay, I'll do your daughter's wedding, but I won't do your daughter's wedding. And, and I don't want to do a million weddings. So I say, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm not very good at that. But, you know, when it comes to, because, well, whatever, just all the preparation and everything, I just don't have a place or anywhere to do that, you know. So, but I, I also appreciate um the ministries that have been and are being initiated here at St. Basil's, you know, since my departure. That's part of bringing new life and new energy and new ideas and new everything. And it's hard and it's an adjustment, but it's a necessary one, I, I really truly believe. And that's both by the priests, certainly the new initiate programs, but also by the staff. Um, um, you know, whenever we face changes or adjustments as I bet most of you have done that in some way or other. You know, it it can be a, a challenge to our faith. There's, there's just no doubt about that. And um, it makes us question the big why question, um, you know, and, you know, I just want to give, I don't think I've ever said this before, but I'll tell you where I learned about faith and trust in God. And, and that was... Uh, and about adjustments, I think, that was from my mother. And um, she didn't even know she was doing that. And I didn't even know. This is only after I've looked back on what happened and how she pulled it off that I say, that's that's absolutely awesome that she could do that. So I don't know if I was 11 or 12. I either turned just 11 or 12 when my dad just very suddenly passed away, okay? So my brother was 16 months older than me. Um, my mother was a homemaker. Um, she had a high school diploma. She came from Ireland, got the high school diploma after she was here. She never drove. Um, and it had to be the loss of my dad. I don't think she ever anticipated it. I know he didn't. And me and my brother, we had no clue. Um, but she made the adjustments. You know, she learned to drive. She bought a car. Um, she got a job uh, with Lorain County. And then after that, she went to work for the city of Illyria. Um, we had a nice house on a river. Uh, she sold the house because now none of this was ever said to my brother and I. She just did it without asking. She just made the adjustments that had to be made. Um, you know, so, you know, she, she learned all this stuff that she had no idea about at all. But she sold the house. She got an apartment. It was in a, like a three-story home on the, what would that be, the south side of Illyria. Uh, so we were on the top floor. It was honestly, without exaggerating, about 300 degrees every day up there in the summer. 
And uh, now not, that's not unusual because there was no air conditioning in those days. You know, if you think back now, I wonder how I survived all that, but I did with fans or what you just, you know, it was normal, natural. You didn't think about what you're missing. Now I would certainly think about it, you know. So we were there for a few years. And then after that, she purchased a home in Illyria. I have no clue. That's why thinking back, how did she do all this? How did she pull it off? Because they didn't have a lot of money. Um, and my, she didn't get much of, uh, you know, a pension. My dad worked at the post office. She got something like 90 bucks a month, I think it was, which was probably 300 today, but still, it wasn't enough to feed the two of us, you know. But she purchased a home in Illyria in a good neighborhood, and then, then she was coming back from communion one day at St. Agnes Church in Illyria, and at her boss's funeral, and she, it was rainy, cold, winter, she slipped and broke her hip um, against one of the pillars in the church. And subsequent to that, she ended up in the hospital in Illyria. Um, and then, as, as many of you know, I'm sure she had um, over, I think it's about 20 years, okay? She had 10 total hip replacements on the same hip, okay? And... Um, and it just, it wouldn't it wouldn't hold. It would last a year. It would last two years. We'd go to the doctor. Um, one of the doctors told me, and not the final one she had because he went somewhere else as the head of, uh, I think he was the chief medical officer somewhere in Rochester. But he, he after he had seen her this this afternoon, he said, "Look, I just want you to know, I'm not telling your mother. I'm going to operate on her hip tomorrow morning. She don't need to know because." You know, what, what good's it going to do? She'll be up all night. I said, good idea, don't tell her. So, and, and she was fine with that. She really and truly was, you know. So she really um, suffered a lot through that. And then towards the end of that, she started getting infections in the hip. It was on the ball and the socket and the metal and all that stuff. And the doctor said, look, it's not in her blood, um, but it's nasty. And he said, it looks like a spider web in there. And so one time he took everything out and let her sit for a while and gave her antibiotics. Then he put it back in and it did the same thing again. And then finally he said to me, okay, here's the options, brother. He said, we can take everything out of there and just let it go. And she won't have any control of her leg, but she'll have her leg, okay? Or we can just amputate the leg and she'll, you know, and it'll be over for sure. So she decided to keep the leg and she got around for a while on crutches, but then eventually she ended up in bed. Um, and, you know, and through all those surgeries, she always recovered earlier. She always recovered and went back to work. That's what she did. I never thought of, you know, yet when you're a kid, you, you don't even think about the fact that what your parents are going through and what they need to do, you know, to make things work in your household. And, you know, I just never thought of it. But later, as I think back on it, I say, you know, that's really absolutely incredible that she was able to do that, you know. So I, but I didn't realize or appreciate at the time the, the challenges of all the adjustments that were coming to her and had come to her. But, you know, honestly, it was the witness of her faith and trust in God um, which was just awesome. And as uh, thinking back on it now, it was just amazing. You know, she was just one tough, faith-filled woman. And, you know, and that probably had something to do with my own inspiration to go in the seminary and become a priest, you know. So, um, but that's been my greatest inspiration, just my mother and what she would did. And, uh, 
you know, and then before I was ordained, she said, you know, are you doing this for me? I said, I couldn't do anything like this for you. Okay, I'm doing it because I think the Lord wants to do it. Well, okay, but if you're doing it for me, don't do it. Do something else. I said, <laughs> said okay. No, I, I couldn't have done that if I wanted to, you know. <laughs> it never would have worked anyhow, and it wouldn't have lasted, that's for sure. So you all know, and I would point you in this direction, you know, uh, I think most of you know at least what my favorite kind of lines are, and I always rely on those lines. The, the basic one is, and I say these all the time in certain situations, Jesus, I trust in you. Um, I also, and I'm suggesting that you use these in times of adjustment. Um, uh, the other one is, I, I love the one from St. Paul. I don't even know where it is in his letters, but he said, you know, I told the Lord three times, I've got this thorn in my side. I want to get rid of this thorn. He said, the third time I told him that, he said, look, my grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. And I, I just truly believe that because I do believe that God's grace is always with us. And, you know, if you trust in it, it really is enough for us, you know. And then um, Jesus' words that I'm with you always until the end of the world, that we're not alone in this journey, um, you know, that the Lord is certain, certainly with us. And I, and I believe all the time that God's grace is really with us. I, it's, I think it's the Holy Spirit, but I keep calling it God's grace, but whatever it is, the Holy Spirit or God's grace, or maybe they're both together, you know, um, that's what's with us as we journey through this life. And it's so at the end of the day, it comes down to our faith. It comes down to our trust in God, that God will see us through. And that's hard. These are all hard decisions to make. But if you look at what the other options are, it's just being a sad and depressed and unhappy and miserable person. And I don't go anywhere. You know, that's not good for you. It's not good for anyone else as well. So, but it, it's all about that. And then there, there's an element in this, and I, I really won't speak a whole lot about this, but you know, you just got to you just got to let it go, you know, turn it over to the Lord. I, I honestly said to the Lord, look, Lord, if you want me to do something in different St. Helens, let me know, okay? I'm willing to consider anything, um, but, you know, you just got to surrender, kind of turn it over, you know? Um, I, I'm always impressed, my friends that I fish with who've been in AA for 30-some years, and they always tell me, look, God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. That's one of their greatest lines in AA. And it's a great line because it's true. God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. And and God will get you and us to where we need to be. There, there is some plan working here. It's not my plan. It's probably not your plan. But there is a plan working here that's God. Um, and, you know, God is working. So faith, um, trust is really important. You know, uh, surrender is really, really important and just accepting what is and not getting crazy about it. Just it is what it is. And But I, honestly, I learned all that from my mom. I really did. She never got crazy. She never got, you know, she just kept doing what she did, putting one foot in front of the other. So so that's all I know about adjustments, okay? I'm done. That's a, <laughs> the first time in, um, in Newberry, you know, I'm not very good at ending these things, as you can tell, as, as you know. And I, and I, at the end of the homily, I said, you know, that's all I got. And they all looked at me, that's all you got? I said, so they, they didn't know if they should laugh or cry or do whatever. <laughs> that's it, that's what we got. You get what you get. One of the kids that, um, in the kinder, no, stay here. 
So the kindergartners, the kindergartners used to come to mass on Fridays, I think it was, and um, one of the greatest lines of all time, you know, I asked this, I said something about something that wasn't going good, and these kids, they all said in unison, nobody provoked them, look, you get what you get and don't throw a fit. And, <laughs> and, and the, the, art teach, the art teacher must have been struggling with them, and she said, so it, that really stuck with them, you get what you get and don't throw a fit. So I'm done now for sure, Linda. I will shut up. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.